This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. everybody welcome to terror talk with shannon and kathy this is a shrink chat friday get it done (laughs) (laughs) where we talk about all things horror uh, from a psychological perspective hello kathy very exciting you got horror gifts for your birthday i had so many it's so good so pepper one of our patrons sent us both uh horror themed advent calendars <laughs> kathy also got a clown motel i think it's motel right? clown motel yeah clown motel way too trashy to be DVD, a hotel dvd from a from a from a patron as well so thank you to ice and pepper and then um before we came on today she destroyed the clown pinata in honor of i did her birthday and it's quite it was quite the display of violence i must say yeah it was uh a lot of fun i'm glad i thoroughly enjoyed it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah so probably your first birthday celebration of the year yeah it was actually cool uh, on that note, I just wanted to tell you about, you know, an actor that was sentenced to life for killing his mother. Because mm. I just thought that would be. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this guy, Ryan Grantham, who starred in Diary of a Wimpy Kid and Riverdale. You guys probably know this. But in March 2020, Ryan pleaded guilty to second degree murder after fatally shooting his mother. He was sentenced to life in prison for the shooting death. So... I saw that. I actually had that written down as something to discuss, so I'm glad you brought it up. I was like... 24 years old. Holy crap. Life sentence. Yeah, British Columbia... So um, violent. Supreme Court in Vancouver. He won't be eligible for parole for 14 years. Canadian crime. Yikes. That's really scary. I know. It's it's life-shattering, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's almost like... um puck from glee oh yeah all that like when you hear that stuff you're like wow apparently i mean mental health wise apparently he'd been having a lot of difficulties for many weeks before before that happened yeah and you know they're trying to say violent footage on the internet etc you know he's he's getting psychiatric treatment supposedly in jail and hopefully that helps i i don't know a lot of people who get psychiatric treatment in jail so that, that, that might could, be that uh, could be medication yeah i'm like that either either it's not true yeah <laughs> or he's just he you know i i certainly have friends and colleagues who have worked as, as mm-hmm. therapists in the criminal justice system so i know that there are people doing that work so if he happens to be in an institution that has those kinds of benefits then fantastic yeah. because i've also had clients who have just recently come out of jail and they got no treatment whatsoever and weren't even allowed to be on their medication in prison so 
Unfortunately, that could be that could even just mean that he's being assessed and giving meds, given testing by someone like yeah. Kathy. <laughs> Seriously, because that's the difference, right, between yeah. hospital settings and prison settings. So, well, you know, we'll see. Yeah, just wanted to. It's uh, really sad, though. You know, he did shoot his mother in the head uh, uh, while she was playing piano. So, Jesus. On a lighter note, mm. American Horror Story, New York City, premieres October nineteenth. Yeah. They haven't given much on the plot, which I'm fine with. Right. But a lot of lot of reoccurring folks. Billy Lord, Zachary Quinto, uh, Leslie Grossman, Charlie Carver, Sandra Bernhardt is coming on. Lots of good peeps. I'm glad. Patty Lapone. Yeah, Dennis O'Hare, who I love. He's always on there. Or he's on a lot of the seasons. I you know, I always like I always get excited, even if it isn't the best series or something about this time of year and AHS coming out with a new season that More I'm like hopeful. a ritual now. Yeah. And we always enjoy the first two episodes. That's right. <laughs> and then it often goes to shit. But so, and I enjoy the last two episodes. Usually this one has 10 episodes. The last one will yeah. be premiering on November 16th. I usually peter out around number four. And then, uh, several months later I make myself finish it because I'm a sadist or a masochist, I guess. I think with this series, though, you have to finish it. The only one that I didn't finish was Roanoke. It's like, I finished them all. Yeah, um, there I was one summer, like a few years ago, where I caught up. And that was better. Just binging them for, for me was a little bit better. I mean, I wouldn't binge all 10 episodes in one day. My God, no. I no, don't ha- I, don't I can't that do that anymore. But I would watch three, four at a time. And so things kind of sink in a little bit better. You kind of hold on to the story. If I watch one at a time, I'm definitely newly in our world where I can't do it anymore and hold on to the de- the depth of the stories. I think when we used to do episodic TV and watch, you know, on Friday night, sit down to watch whatever it was. I don't think we were expected necessarily to hold on to a lot of depth. Right. (laughs) But nowadays, because of all the changes that have happened, there's a lot of psychological depth to a lot of what we watch in series. And it's just changed so much since I was a kid. It's true. And so in 10 episodes, it's like so dense. Look at Stranger Things this year. Yeah. Each each episode was a movie. Yeah. Well, 90 minutes, practically most of them. Yeah. Many of them. So it's like, so on that note, yeah, they're absolutely trying to make things we can't binge because they don't want their content to be consumed that fast. They also could Fair. do what, you know, a lot of what we used to do in the past is just not release it all at once, which is what a lot of them are, are going doing, back to doing. Yeah, again. they're doing that, which is that annoying. Um, <laughs> I like that. Okay. Yeah. I also wanted to mention uh, on the horror news front that trick or treat, there's going to be a trick or treat sequel. Mm. They're developing it. So that's good. I mean, it's an active development. In other words, it's not just, Hey, we should make one of those, but they're actively in development, meaning they haven't, they don't have a full script. Probably they don't, they're not shooting or any of that kind of thing, but we've been waiting years for a sequel to Michael Doherty's Halloween horror anthology trick or treat. And I guess he's the one that's saying that it's an active development. It's such a popular one. I always watch it. Like I'll watch it's it a this fun month. One. Yeah. yeah. Trick or treat two. It doesn't have a name yet. Of course it's not even just trick or treat two. Yeah. <laughs> the rise of Shannon. <laughs> Can you imagine Shannon Chucky with your little, lo- just with your little lollipop big hair and with a lollipop stab you in your knees. Yeah. With your, <laughs> as long as I get to have the little pumpkin head to wear. Yeah. Okay. 
And the lollipop head can be my face. <laughs> Bitten into. <laughs> I think there was a book thing you were going to mention. Yes. That oh. I've pre-ordered a oh. Grady Hendrix's oh, yeah. book. So his book comes out on January of 23. On, on January. Hi, yeah, on January uh, 17th, <laughs> okay. I believe. 2023. Oh, wow. Okay. It's October. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you can pre-order it is why I I'm know. asking. Right. Uh, I mean, why I'm telling you and i've just been waiting for a new one from him so this one is called how to sell a haunted house your past and your family can haunt you like nothing else a hilarious and terrifying new novel from the new york times best-selling author of the final support final girl support group every child at home is haunted and each of us are possessed by our parents so i am very excited we should probably just i should just make a unilateral decision in january and have us read it for our book club I Normally like we vote and stuff, but it'd be kind of fun just I think to like be game. do it. Yeah. You know, when there's a new thing, it'd be kind of fun to do that. Yeah. Cause we read a lot of the old shit. Let me just tell you that we finished up, uh, something wicked this way comes recently, which we'll talk about in a moment because first I'd like to do a little thing we like to call. Horror effects with Kath, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> It's our trivia game where Kathy asks me five questions, trivia questions. I try to guess. I'm not going to guess out loud, but I write my little answers down. And then later in the show, we recap and I try to answer. And you guys all know more than me and you can laugh at me from afar. It's really just a way to mess with Shannon. Yep. And for me to pretend that I'm smarter than she is because I have the, narcissist, because ladies I have and the gentlemen. answers in front of me. What well, we la last show, if you listen to the last show, we talked about narcissism, malignant narcissism, right. where you think you're superior to other, and you're intentional, intentionally making me feel less than. Number one, <sighs> she gets real nervous. In which werewolf movie did zombies appear? <laughs> okay. Number two, in the original legends, the only way to kill a vampire was how? Okay. Hmm. Number three, the Firefly family, the name of. That is so funny because, okay, go ahead. Belongs to which horror film series? Yeah. So I was just about to pitch to you. That we do a yeah. show on this movie trilogy. Okay. Yeah. Number four. Yes. In the Adams family, what type of cat was Morticia's pet named Kitty? <laughs> okay. And number five. I want to watch those series this year. Those the, are the fun. animated ones. Those are fun. I mean, uh, the movies. I'm sorry, not the series, but the um. Not, you mean the, the animated live. movies? Uh, Adam's Family and and Adam's Family Values. Oh, those aren't animated. Oh. <laughs> the longest time. Yeah. Someone held their breath voluntarily. <laughs> you mean when you were suffocating them? Happened in March of 2021. Really? How long did this man hold his breath? Oh, interesting. Was he underwater? I don't know. I, I'm i not sure. Okay. It was just like to break a Guinness record mm -hmm. or something probably. Yeah. People are funny. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. Um, let's move on. I guess we could talk about something wicked this way comes real quick because I mentioned it. So we have a book club as part of our uh, Patreon. We read books. 
you know, every three, four weeks we switch it up and it, the active members of our book club vote on, you know, they come up with suggestions and then we, and then we vote on them and we pick. And so this last time we picked something wicked this way comes, which is a 1962 dark fantasy by Ray Bradbury. And so we actually just finished it and we're going to have our, we have a voice chat on our discord with our book club members. And so we're going to do that in after we record today. So that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, Kathy and I will discuss, I mean, it's got fantasy and horror in it. I know it's, it is a dark fantasy for sure. And there's much more kind of sinister fantasy ideas and characters and vibes than I think there is horror, but I don't know. Agreed. That's supernatural too. I mean, it's described as a fantasy, not dark fantasy novel. So yeah, I mean, some people put it in the supernatural and, and horror genres as well. But mm -hmm. anyway, what did you think? I mean, it's interesting, you know, Ray Bradbury, the way that he writes is almost, it's poetic. So, you know, it takes a little bit. It's lyrical for sure. It's very lyrical. So it takes a minute to, we're not used to reading. <laughs> yeah. If you don't read a lot of literary fiction where it's like lyrical and mm -hmm. yeah, you, if you're not used to that, it, does, it takes a minute for sure. Once you adjust to that though, I will say he's incredibly descriptive. Yeah. And one of the things I really appreciated about the book was there are times where you really feel this proverbial storm coming in and the way that he's Very, describing yeah the witch and the illustrated man it's it's very 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 descriptive and if you can get used to the way that he writes like shannon's talking about that like lyric like the, the lyrical nature of his writing once you get used to that you really get pulled into this story and so it took me a minute to appreciate it but then when i got in it i'm like finding myself like oh my god oh my god keep going <laughs> Get away from that. You're yeah, going to die. Anticipation. Yeah. He mm -hmm. really builds the tension. Yeah. I had a similar experience. Like what I would say is for the first, we usually break the book club into chunks um, and you can do the paste reading. I mean, you could all read it all in one day and just do the voice chat. But if you do the paste reading, it's sort of like the third of the first third of the book. Right. And you're kind of pacing your way through. And I think Kathy and I usually try to do it that way. We pace through the book. And so, you know, that first chunk I was like, I'm confused. I don't yeah. know what's happening. It's bizarre. It, it's sort of, you know, it's a very different style than what I'm used to reading and it's not contemporary. But I wouldn't say that it's not, that it's really old, in other words. No. like it, I mean, we've read a lot of classic stuff in our book club so far. I, mean, I think it just takes a minute to know where he's going with it. And then, yeah. when, then once you figure that out, the characters really develop and then you, I yes. felt myself rooting for them. I wasn't like, yes. oh, I don't care if they die. I did. Well, and I've read non-horror by Ray Bradbury probably more than like than yeah. the supernatural stuff. And, you know, we all read Fahrenheit 451 mm -hmm. or whatever in high school, or mm -hmm. at least my generation. A lot of people did. Yeah, yeah. Read that kind of book. And, and I've actually met Ray Bradbury before. He's a, he was a very kind, kind mm -hmm. man. That's awesome. And um, signed my book and had a conversation with him a couple of times because he used to he used to be very active in going to writers' conferences, certain writers' conferences, and um, just a, a very kind human. So I was excited to read this. And what I would say is the last third, what I was going to say is the last third of the book, what I had decided to do about halfway through is because I kept getting confused. So I'm like, I'm not going to know what the heck is happening in this book. So what I decided to do is simply concentrate on the characters 
because the characters are so interesting. Oh, incredibly interesting. So if you if you think about, you know, somebody's name is Nightshade, mm-hmm. um, the Dust Witch, the Skeleton, the Illustrated know, Man. The Illustrated Man is super awesome. And so there's all of these characters, like a circus of characters, you know, it's a car, there's a carnival going on. So, you know, a lot of people interpret this as kind of a good and evil story, you know, like the allegory of good and evil and this carnival and, and sin and temptation. And I really saw those themes. And so that's really what I was looking for. And I have to say, I think maybe one of my favorite bits was, um, and again, I have no idea what happened, so I'm not spoiling the story for you. But the there's a section where this one character is speaking to a, a young character. There are young boys in this story, and they he gives them this like kind of a lecture on good and evil. And I just thought it was so great. Yep. It was like, ah, this is one of those things where like I would make a copy of that in the old days. <laughs> in the old days when I would have a piece of a book that I just needed to have around me, I would And there's like, so much truth in what I would he like says. make a copy of a section and then like have it in a folder. Like that's totally what I would have done with that piece. But yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I I would recommend it to anybody who is reading classic fantasy fiction. Mm-hmm. And my stepdad was I have all I have a lot of his collection from back in the day. So I have old Ray Bradbury books and mm. stuff and it's um it is a thing for some people. It isn't necessarily my thing, but I have read a few of them because of this collection that I have uh that was specifically gotten from my stepfather. And I and I have been building a, a tolerance for the language and stuff. So mm-hmm. I could, you know, I think our our review of it is pretty solid in the sense that if that none of that sounds that interesting to you, then I wouldn't read it because it's it's really well written. But and it's oh, but it's short. I will say it's a short one. <laughs> it was only like two hundred sixty pages or something, right? Yeah, I think yeah, it's like two sixty six. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, no, I I thought it was is very different and fun for this season for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You want to talk a movie? Tell me a movie that you watched. Sure. Sure. I watched a movie um, called Speak No Evil, 2022 Danish film. Danish family uh, visits a Dutch family. They meet on a holiday, which was supposed to be an idyllic weekend. Slowly starts unraveling as the Danes try to stay polite in the face of unpleasantness. This is a very dark eerie slow burn but i really liked it i've i've seen this movie we actually watched it in the discord yeah. uh, in one of our saturday night movies okay yeah i hadn't i hadn't seen it and i'm like you know what this sounds really interesting so it really has the heaviness of like a ariaster-ish kind of feeling you're watching it and you just know that something isn't right when i was i don't want to give too much away about the film other than was reading a little bit about the the writer and the director the writers and the director and and where they're the influence what they were influenced by and they were really talking about how you know through the pandemic people learned to isolate and then one of the first things that they did was you know you need to go on vacation and get back into the world and you know not be so afraid and it, and it's this cautionary tale about people visiting foreign countries and being very friendly as visitors and being completely duped by the people who live there. But it also is a movie that is about trafficking (laughs) 
Um, and it's a movie that has a lot to do with, I think, some of the fears that Americans have about foreign travel, even though it's not American film. Sure. So, you know, there's there's elements of Taken, there's elements of Ari Aster's films, there are elements of, you know, trafficking. It was just, um, I found it to be really good, but really, really heavy. And it is not the feel-good movie of the year, but it definitely leaves you thinking about a lot of things. And um, it it affected me, for sure. Yeah, I think it's a very, I think that's an apt word for this movie. It's very effective. And not doing small, no small part to this score. Mm. The music score is ridiculous. In fact, because nothing's happening, and there's this score that is telling you that awful things are about to happen (laughs) for like an hour before anything happens. But I, I did actually just watch this uh, recently in one of our Saturday watches. And I want to tell you that I want to read you or kind of paraphrase my, my review of it. When I first, after I first watched it, I wrote, uh, this is entirely your shit. If you enjoy patient, hopeless, mean, dark, brutal, and the essentially fucked upness of human psychology at play. Yeah. That's kind of my, my thing. And it's, it's kind of one of those, what I, what I go on to say is that if you would like to explore, cause we speak about psychology, this is a psychological film. Yep. So this has a deeper, construct to it i think if you just watch it without considering the deeper construct to it it's going to be a slow burn not too much happens and then a kind of a brutal uh catharsis i don't know if that's the word but certainly a climax but what i would say is if you want to explore the dark kind of shadow of being polite mm-hmm this is your movie because this, this will, because these people polite their way into their inevitable end and what happens to them because there are 65, this is one of those movies where you're like, just leave, just leave, just go. I would go, just go. And how many people say, sorry to interrupt. How many people say, I just, I I don't want to, I feel bad. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, it's like what we were talking about with Cosby. Hurt their feelings. Hurt their feelings. So if you want to explore that like shadow of being polite and have it basically grip you and drag you down into like the most helpless version of yourself and shine a light on how much we all need to stop that shit, then please. Oh, and then I wrote, then please happen upon this movie when you're looking for a perky, empty slasher and have the worst night of your life because, <laughs> because it's not an upper. It's no, just it's not, not an upper. Said, it's not the feel good movie of the year. No, no, no. I completely but agree I, with you. But I think that's an excellent analysis of just, you know, that trust and feeling bad. If we're, we're the ones who decide to leave, we don't want to inconvenience people. We don't want to disappoint. We don't want to be rude. And, people will take advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, this is, and what I'm talking about isn't, isn't a, isn't a spoilery thing because it doesn't have really to do with the plot except for the fact that, you know, these people stay, but it's also an isolation horror because of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these two couples meet and they're isolated in an area and bad things happen is basically, and it's slow burn. And I think it's Danish. So it's got that sensibility. and, And the end is really hard. Yeah. And the end is really hard. So yes, it's more like watching, you know, a hereditary or, one of those movies that's not very pleasant to watch but it was really good i thought it was really good Uh, yeah i did too all right 
Since we both watched that, maybe throw out another one of your movies. Maybe I saw that one too. So I'm watching the documentary. It's a, it's a different episodes that they haven't released all of them yet. I've only seen the first episode of Queer for Fear. Oh, I want to see that. It's a four part documentary series um, on Shudder. Exploring the evolution of horror through a queer lens and an expansive work from executive producers and horror veterans, Brian Fuller, who did Hannibal, Pushing Daisies, and Steakhouse by Hooker by Crook. And this is, I really enjoyed the first episode because they go back and they talk about the influence of Bram Stoker, the influence of Mary oh, Shelley, great. their lives as queer people and not being able to be completely out and using the metaphor of monsters to, you know, kind of equate that with queer people being on the outside and what people actually feared at that time and drawing some of those metaphors, but also talking about how the queer voice was some of the, you know, was one of the earliest voices to horror, mm-hmm. um, looking at characters like Dorian Gray and talking about the way that he, you know, projected the most horrific parts of himself into this photo part of it being the queer self. Um, we also know that he's a narcissist, but they break down some of these, like really they start with some of these older films and they, they talk a lot about Mary Shelley and Bram Stoker. So I think mm. you'll like that Shannon, if you haven't seen it. Definitely. And I think they're going to, you know, push their way through modern horror. I've really enjoyed it so far. It's only been one episode, but it's really interesting to get that perspective Absolutely, because there is so much subtext in a lot of these, uh, in a lot of horror films, you know, you and I watched um, Scream Queens a few yeah. years ago and yeah. people never really talked about the fact that his character was queer. It was just something that you kind of knew if you were paying attention. And now we're able to talk about it more openly. But the queer community had a huge voice in horror Hellraiser, right? So absolutely, I'm digging it so far. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I saw the movie Smile. You did? Mm-hmm. How was it? 2022. And I'm hoping... I think it might be an actually a good topic for a whole episode or I'm planning on seeing it at least a longer discussion, uh, in shrink in shrink chat, our Friday show, uh, between you and I, when you've seen it, but movie wise, it's got solid horror elements, solid sound design, solid acting, unsettling shot choices. They're sort of heavy handed, the shot choices, but this is an essay on trauma. So I'll only spoil one. I'm only going to spoil one thing. And it's the one thing we always spoil, which is about animals. There is an animal death in this movie, Mm. but I will say that it's a plot device for sure. And it's incredibly effective. And the way it, we, the way it is used is horrifying, but not in the way you might think. I mean, you know, just showing me a dead animal, it doesn't horrify me because I am aware that it's fake and it usually looks pretty fake. But this was more effective because of the way it was used. In other words, just killing random animals in movies isn't going to affect me because it's like I know it's fake. Mm-hmm. But this was was effective. It's it's kind of early on. It it gets, you know, the shit, a lot more shit goes down after that. It's It's really kind of the beginning. And also a trigger warning for those of you who have any issue discussing or having... A, dis- a movie and discussion or metaphors and very clearly talking about suicide. Interesting. So the act okay. of suicide is an entire plot device in this movie. 
It is literally the whole plot device and the key to the message, in my opinion. So the messages, which I'm not going to talk about here because I, I, it's a brand new movie. I want you guys to see it. If you, if you feel as if you can tolerate a movie that has the act of suicide as an entire plot, horror plot device, mm-hmm. Uh, but it's actually an essay on trauma. The whole movie is an essay on trauma and trauma's effects. So Interesting. I recommend this movie if if you can allow your horror movies to be affecting. Okay. And I am saying to Kathy for the first time that if if and when you do see it, uh, I would. I think it would be a great episode okay. conversation. Yeah, I plan on seeing it. So. It's on my list for sure. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. All right. What's next? I was in the mood for a slasher. Yeah. And I went back and watched the 2014 uh, Blumhouse slash Ryan Murphy film, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. The original film was made in 1976, and it's pretty gruesome. It has a Texas Chainsaw Horror sort of (laughs) feel to it, and it takes place on, I believe it takes place on Halloween night. But it's 65 years after a masked serial killer terrorizes the small town of Texarkana, the so-called Moonlight Murders begin again. It is a copycat or something even, is it a copycat or something even more sinister? A lonely high school girl may be the key to catching him. So it's the 2014 is said to be somewhat of a sequel to the 1976. Okay. But if it's, if you are someone who enjoys like the classic, 70s 80s slasher film this one is kind of terrifying yeah Yeah, it's a good one um it has all that 70s horror vibe to it and i thought (laughs) they did a really good job with it so it's a if you if you're looking for something fun to watch during halloween season this is a good one cool uh, I wanted us to maybe chat a little bit about my best friend's exorcism because that's brand new and just dropped to prime as a premiere on there. And this is one of Kathy's favorite books and I enjoyed this book very much. So I, I would ask you actually, how did you feel about them? Because these things can be pretty disappointing when yeah. you, when you love a book, right? So I, I have told people who have heard of the book and they want to read the book. I'm like, do yourself and please read the book before you watch the movie. Please, please. Because the movie is going to be so much better because the movie as a standalone is good. It's fun. It's fun. But it's not groundbreaking. But if you read the book, then you go into the movie with that nostalgia and you're like, oh, that's Margaret. And that's great. It, it's just going to be well, way more fun can, to watch. And if you can think, OK, this this isn't going to be as good as the book. Yeah. I mean, this was made by Prime. It, they rushed it. Yeah, they absolutely rushed to make I agree. this movie. Mm-hmm. And the book has these, although fun and light in many ways and you know the 80s stuff i mean i think the reason why kathy loved the first you know 10 or 15 chapters is because it's all this 80s stuff and Mm -hmm. all this music and that's your jam and it's these two girls friendships and what that was like when we were kids and then they didn't even talk about the origin of their friendship or the beginning and leading up to that Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and it's a lot of fun and then of course it gets darker and darker and there's my best friend's exorcism involved in the title obviously i will say i Enjoy- Wallace cracked me up. I thought he did a really good job. <laughs> he I, was great. And yeah. as soon as I saw it was that actor whose name I don't know, I I was like, okay, he was he's going to be funny because he's a 
he's a great character in the book. Yeah. But a lot more quirky and ridiculous in the movie, which I thought was fun. I it's do like, too. If they're going to take it different, because it was different. Um, he was really annoying in the book. And I thought they made him much more, even though he is obnoxious in the film, they made him an enjoyable, obnoxious person, if that makes sense. Yeah. A couple of criticisms I would say is that there wasn't, and one of our patrons whose name is Kate mentioned this in the discord watch along that we did of this movie is that there's just not enough eighties music in the movie. No. In the book, they, the book, it's like a huge piece. (laughs) Every chapter is named after an, an 80s and song. a lot of this freaking music would be would be public domain i would think yeah. i just don't understand that but like i said they rushed this they did i'm just hoping they didn't fuck it up enough so that greedy doesn't get any more movies because i want to see a horror store movie but i want it to be a straight up fr- i want i want there to be some freaking horror in it well and the i think they really should have started with final girl support group because that book was made to be a movie yeah. it really was he's really writing cinematically now mm-hmm. and i don't know if he was writing cinematically with this or not it, it it feels pretty cinematic actually when you read it but i mean i of course i would have preferred a bigger budget sure and i would have preferred more time to make this a great flick what i kind of the way i summed it up was like the book was a journey i never wanted to end same and the movie was kind of like it was I cute i used the analogy that the movie was a delightful slice of pie that i won't eat again because there's like too many cakes that need my attention meaning Mm -hmm. like the book i would actually read again in five years oh for sure like i would keep that book i do have i have kept that book and i might revisit it at some point whereas this movie i'll never watch this movie again yeah i mean unless someone else wants to watch it and i happen to be around or whatever then i'll get roped into it (laughs) like on discord or something but yeah wallace stoney was played by clayton royal johnson that's his name. yeah he's had a lot of tv parts and i and i recognized him immediately and i was like ah he plays some good goofy roles so that's the i immediately knew the direction they were going and i was like all right well that could be okay (laughs) yeah all right so cool yeah i wanted to know how you yeah it was it was about your favorite book it was fun yeah cool it was fun all right so now we are going to do (laughs) yeah we're gonna get those answers to those horror facts <laughs> number one in which werewolf movie did zombies appear mm. i mean not having any clue I, I don't know uh american werewolf in london you got it <gasps> it's do you remember when i fully guessed you griffin guys. dunn dies i do with yes David Monotton. Yes, I was thinking of his face. But and he then comes I'm like, oh, into the, possibly be He right. comes into the hospital and he <laughs> says that he's doomed to roam the earth forever and to tell his mom he's okay, remember? Oh, and at the awesome. end, all of those people are supposed to be zombies. So, yes. Amazing. Thank you, I guess. Ding, but ding, it was ding. One for guess. five. One for Boom. one. Number two. <laughs> In the original legends, the only way to kill a vampire was how? Well, I want to say a stake through the heart, but I don't know. So it actually Sunlight. was to cut its head off oh. and the stake, that whole idea of the stake mm-hmm. um, through the heart was actually there to keep them pinned to the ground oh, gotcha. so they could slice the head off. Smart. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind for the next time I kill a vampire. The Firefly family <laughs> belongs to which horror film series? Uh, well, the Firefly trilogy by Rob Zombie. 
So House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, Flee and from Hell. There you go. Yay, I knew that one because I want to do a show on those. <laughs> so I literally just started watching them again. Um, number four in the Adams family. What, what type of cat was Morticia's pet named Kitty? Black. A lion. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Like, that's funny. Come here, Kitty. <laughs> <laughs> number five, the longest time breath was held voluntarily happened in March of 2021. How long did this man hold his breath? Six minutes. 24 minutes, 37.36 seconds. His name's Budmir Sobat from Croatia. Serious. Jesus. Sheesh. Talk about mind over matter and being able to calm yourself. I mean, I mean, I've known it was possible because I've watched those like deep dive shows. I got, I get really into extreme. I watch a lot of it like extreme sport type Uh of documentaries it's kind of one of my my categories that whenever i see a new thing where like someone has climbed a massive mountain someone has deep dove six miles or whatever the hell you know like all those extreme places people who put their bodies in extreme situations like that Uh, so i knew i know there's deep divers that are real that's why i asked before like were they underwater because wow that's amazing incredible Incredible. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. This has been an episode of Terror Talk, our Shrink Chat Weekly Friday episodes where we talk horror and psychology. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.